Hey, what's up guys? On this episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, we talk about all things training partners. The good, the bad, the ugly. After that, we discuss some abs, which we never talk about abs, so that'll be a little bit different. Uh, do you even need to train them? We'll find out more today. And uh, we take a bunch of listener questions. Now listen, if you guys want to take part in the next episode, then do me a favor, comment below with your questions. We'll take those on the next show. And if you enjoy the show today, then do all the normal YouTube stuff, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. It helps to boost us up in the algorithm. Thank you guys for watching. Appreciate you as always. Let's get the program started. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill. We're joined by special guest coach Nelson Jones. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Check them out and use our code ADVICES for some additional savings on high-quality supplements that you can trust. Did you like that intro, Skip? I do, especially the Team Skip blend. That should be thrown in there as well. And Red Velvet. The new red velvet Ooh. flavor, don't get me started. It's very good. Do you Anybody do you out there who's had the red velvet, though, here's the question for you. I put this to my wife, and she said the same thing. It Tell me, what if you have red velvet, this is what you do real quick. You mix it up, and as you're starting to drink it, forget about red velvet. Completely blank your mind, clear it, clear the slate, and tell me that it doesn't taste like caramel. Hmm. That's all I had to say. Wow. It's very, very good. Uh, pro tip, do you go with the heavy flavor, regular flavor, or light flavoring? Definitely regular. I cannot do heavy. I can't even mix it too thick because it ends up being too heavy for me. It just tastes too sweet. That's I go, me. I go with regular as well. Uh, anyways, guys, today on the show, we're going to start out talking all about training partners. We're going to discuss the pros of training partners, cons of training partners. We'll, we might even talk about like how to find a good training partner. I'm going to see if I can dig some stories up out of these guys. Uh, but yeah, we're going to dig into that. I think this will be a fun topic. If we have time, we're also going to talk about ab training. Do you even need to do it? And if so, uh, you know, how do you go about your ab training? I want to get the opinion of these guys. Uh, both have been coaching for, you know, quite a long time. Skip especially been coaching for over 20 years. Uh, I've been coaching myself now for the past decade. For all three of us, this is our full-time this is our full-time job. So our basically our ability to pay the bills depends on our ability to be good at coaching. I think there is a difference and I'm not going to start knocking on Instagram coaches, but I think there is a difference when Mike Davies said that to me, he was like, when your ability to put food on your table depends on your coaching, you follow through with shit. You know what I mean? Skip. I think it's a very good point. I actually made this point years ago and I offended a couple top guys and I have a lot of respect for them. I won't mention their names, but they kind of messaged me and were like, what the fuck, Skip? Why would you say that? But I think it, it the main thing is, is number one, to get to the point where you can pay your bills and make a living, you got to be pretty good. I mean, that I'm not patting myself on the bottom patting anybody who can do it and make a living and make enough money to do that. You got to be pretty good. You've established yourself. And, you know, then it, it kind of, I don't know, I, I think as a trainer, if you know you have to pay the bills, you have kids to feed, things like that, I'm going to say myself, if I'm a client, this guy might be more invested than the guy who just wants to buy another LV bag or some red bottom Louboutins to, you know, wear to the gym that are 1500 bucks. I think there's a difference. I do. Now, when it comes down to the the results and everything, I'll let people figure that out for themselves. But I do feel that way. They're legitimized in a sense. 
Right on. Well, let's get to our topic then in that case. Nelson, uh, we're going to talk about training partners. I wanted to start with you first. I want to get your opinion. How? Where do you sit with training partners? Do you have a training partner currently? And yeah. would you prefer to train with somebody on a regular basis if you could? Yeah, I definitely prefer to train with someone on a regular basis. Um, and I don't need them for everything. Um, but there's, there's a give and take. So, I mean, like, I might not need you for shoulders but i definitely want you for legs you know and it might be the opposite you know someone really wants me for shoulders so i make my time to i make my time available to give back to them mm. on those days i do think it's very important to have a training partner um i honestly i think it's one of those things where that can level you up more than a lot of different things mm. yeah just the <laughs> I trained by myself for most of my time training. It wasn't until I got a training partner until I felt safe enough to be able to do certain things in the gym, um, be able to get those force reps or even, I mean, there, there's times when, you know, I have two, two training partners and there'll be a time when I might, might not be doing something right. I'm not feeling it. And he'd be like, Hey man, why don't you do this? Try this. Um, your elbow looks a little weird here. Try this. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that like, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not above learning at all. So if someone points something out to me that just like could be better, I take it under advisement, you know, um, it's, it's not for everybody. Not everyone needs one, but in my opinion, especially for guys who are, are really trying to let's say grow aggressively or they take this time very seriously. And it's not like they're my me time, you know, I, I think a training partner is pretty invaluable. Yeah. I think it, you have to align, you know what I mean? Like you have to align with their goals. Cause I just thought of something you said, you were like, you know, like somebody who's not that serious or, you know, somebody who's serious versus not like you could have a right. training partner who's not that serious and not that committed if you're also not that serious and not that committed, you know, right. like that's a good balance. Right. Obviously, I think the majority of people who are watching this show are probably looking to be, you know, as quote unquote, as hardcore as they can. So they, they want yeah. that matchup like, like, you know, a, uh, a, a Brett Wilkin and, uh, and your guy, you know, those guys are, yeah. are, are freaking, uh, killing it. I think of like some cool training partner matchups, Martin and Brett are—they're uh, one of them, man. Those guys are—I can yeah. only imagine what their workers are like together. I've only seen pictures and a few clips, you know. Right. It's like Johnny and Branch, you know. It's like yeah. when you 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 think of it, it's like that's kind of an iconic training partner situation. But I can honestly tell you, from Martin's like aspect, um, he is absolutely better with Brett. Period. End of story. Man, he's he's better because of him, um, and sometimes it's not because he needs help or he needs a spotter. Sometimes it gives you someone to chase on things. Yes. And mm -hmm. even just that, like someone to chase, um, Brett's in, I mean, you know, he's going to do his first open show this year, but he is an open bodybuilder for all intensive purposes. He's 280 plus pounds. Hmm. He's a big guy, yeah. you know? So when you have someone who is an open bodybuilder and your aspiration is to be a good open bodybuilder, 
Yeah, there's a little competition going, you know, and especially like you're prepping at the same time. I wonder who can hold strength longer. I wonder who can beat who in this lift. I want to train. I, I just want to get more reps, Any, whatever, like whatever gets you going, you know, it helps. Those guys are competitive. I think too. just, I think I should state that specifically you meant all <laughs> intensive purposes. But anyway, yes, uh, I'm driving around. Uh, here's the thing. And I think you guys make a good point. It's rapport. It's, it's aligning with the, the person that you're training with in my situation. I would love to have a training partner that I could align with and I had a good rapport with and someone that I could kind of feed off. The, The problem is I have too many obstacles. I have a scheduling problem where I need to be flexible when I train, which is incredibly unfair to a training partner. I mean, basically I hate to say this, but this is how I label it. I need a puppy dog. I need someone who the ideal training partner to me would have to be a puppy dog. You'd have to be flexible with the schedule to basically drop what he's doing or be able to change his schedule by a couple hours. That's not his or her for that matter. They would have to do what I need to do because I've got so many obstacles with training. If they need, if they like to pull deads and that's big for them, I have to sit there and watch and that becomes a waste of time. There are things that I can't do that I don't want to basically risk by trying to chase somebody. So the other thing too is, is as much as there's, I, I, I'll tell you what I miss about a good training partner. And that is the, uh, the camaraderie that, that again, coming back to rapport, but being able to, like you said, to chase somebody, to be pushed, to think I'm not going to do, I don't know how you guys are in the gym. I'm not going to do another couple reps because I get yelled at by somebody. Even if I like my training partner, we have a good rapport. I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to be like, shut the fuck up and just let me make the noise here. Because I know when I don't want to say when enough is enough, but if I I know if I'm going to take a set to the point where I'm really putting myself in a bad like this is just not a good idea. Yeah. So it is. It's a balancing act for me. So I'll say that the large majority of the time that I've spent training, I find it to be more productive for myself when I'm training by myself. Now, that's not to say I haven't had good training partners over the years. Training with Jimmy Kennedy was awesome. We had some really awesome off season, yeah, I say off season, uh, off season for him when he would come to town and train in between uh, seasons. Uh, Dion, my longtime friend, same thing. There have been some good ones in there. You got your hand up, Jessup. Jessup Wilcos. I'll take a question from you back there. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I, I still I know. I the older guys out. will get it. They they might not recognize you without the wheat field behind you. It was the first mag- muscle magazine, muscle and fitness magazine that I huh. bought or my mom bought for me in like 84. Anyway, anyone who's older will ju- understand. They'll be like, oh, he doesn't like Jessup Wilcos. What the fuck? Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So I, I wanted to know. So you trained. I didn't realize. So you trained with Jimmy Kennedy. We've had him on the show, of course, a while back for all you, you you old school listeners with the whole ring fia- or bracelet fiasco. But he was le- yeah. yeah, he was a legit NFL player. Like he was a good athlete. Did that show in the gym too? Like his his athletic abilities training with weights. Well, I don't know about athletic ability, but clearly his work ethic and and his motivation to you know continue his career. I mean, at that point, he was trying to not only just maintain, but then in the, in the last couple of years, trying to continue a career in the NFL. And he probably you know, got a couple extra years in the NFL because of the training. So his work ethic, though, I mean, he's just a workhorse. He, so he, like he wasn't still, stronger. He had a lot of average. fun. He wasn't stronger than like well, a person. I, 
well, he's strong. I mean, that's just that's just a big son of a bitch. And he got stronger over the years. But uh, over the years of training, we trained five or six years. Um, he would come to town during the off season and live in Denver, and we would hang out and, and train, and we had a lot of fun. Eventually, grew into a friendship. So, uh, good guy, still friends friends now. Just haven't seen him in a while. But as far as his work ethic, no question. I think, and and if he if he's listening, he's not going to appreciate this. It's not that he wasn't strong. He was clearly strong. But I think the average person would expect more out of the poundage and strength because they're so big. But that's not necessarily the case. Even though he was a, a lineman and he was a big dude, he was strong, make no mistake. But the first couple of years, I got him on a lot of shit. And then he started passing me very, <laughs> very quickly. And you have to understand that the training that we did was more bodybuilding and condition related okay. because what he did the rest of the year was the typical football strength and conditioning from a low rep power movement type thing. And I felt, I felt like if he was doing that all year long and had done that for so long that it would benefit him to do something different and have higher rep training and more conditioning type training. So when he, the, the cool thing was when he went back to camp, he was so lean and he'd be running around kicking everybody's ass and running. Away. I mean, he laughed and said sometimes he'd make the running backs and the receivers look winded when they'd come back to camp. Cause those guys, I'm going to tell you this, and it, this is, this is an opinion that it may sound negative, but it's the truth. The receivers in the backs, the genetically gifted guys in the NFL, typically not always typically because they're gifted, they don't have the work ethic and they're not putting in the time in the off season, like the linemen and the people who really fight to keep their condition and their weight down. Uh, yeah. I've, you can see that. I, you can see it just across the board. People who have people who have the genetic gifts aren't always the, they aren't always the, like the branch Warren workers, you know? Right. Almost By never. the way, I'm going to text. I have Jimmy Kennedy's number in case you, you don't remember. That. <laughs> he might already be blowing up my phone. I'm not Skip sure. I look down just to see if there's a text weak. message. <laughs> and he said it publicly i think you know what i think you make a good point man because my training is not on a fixed time you got to have you it works good for guys that like work nine to fives they both show sure. up at the gym like if you're already showing up at the gym at the same time i see nelson there every day then i could be like hey man and this is what my thought was i i brought this up on a, another podcast to get uh vj's thoughts on bodybuilding nerds radio I feel like how does a training partnership start? You're like, you know, hey, can you spot me? And then before you know it, we're talking, we're both doing the same stuff. It makes sense because you make a really good point, Skip. It's like if you're really into deadlifting and my back is screwed up and I can't deadlift, then, you know, yeah. what are you really going to get out of it? So right. I don't know. Yeah, You have to have those commonalities. And I think you'll see that in the people that you're around in the gym. That's another reason that I don't hook up with people for one or two sessions. I have people sometimes who say, hey, let's get this session or, oh, I'm training. What are you training today? And I say what I'm training. Like, oh, I'm training that too. And I admit, immediately inside, I'm like, oh, shit, I know what's coming next. Yeah. Because they're going to, you know, they might ask to train. And then I'm like, ah, oh. but then it's my rule really is, is you got, you follow me. You got to yeah. be the puppy dog because I'm not bending for nothing. This is what I do. I've already got it in my brain, what I'm doing today. Yeah. So if you're along for the ride, cool. And if they're along for the ride, I have no problem with that. And it ends up being great. But I don't compromise. I don't negotiate. I don't I don't give. I'll tell you one thing I noticed in the last, I'd say the last, well, maybe seven years now, training with clients that I'm more experienced than in leading like that, I can still get a lot out of it. 
Because if I go to the gym with someone who's newer and say I'm trying to explain like, okay, we're going to work up to a very intense set, then I better show them what a very intense set is. You know what I mean? It's sure. like you oh, got to yeah. lead by example. So uh, I've always heard it said that a, a good training partner is going to be stronger than you are. And I think that, that that is good, that that's one way of chasing. But then at the same time, if you're stronger than them, then it's your obligation to lead. And I've had some of my best workouts being the, you know, the strongest person out of my group. Let me ask you this. I'm going to, I'm going to go the other route on that. And I'm going to say this. I think that the strength is important because then you're kind of chasing a little bit, but I go one step further and I'd say, I think I would rather have somebody who is trying to out, out intensity me because I think I train pretty, pretty hard, but I'm not, I don't train ridiculously or absurdly heavy. And I would rather be challenged to go, Oh shit, you're going to do this insane. So like, you're going to go to failure at 25 reps on something. Then I got to step up and be like, I can't be a pussy. The intensity I think is more, more easily controlled versus, Oh my God, he's doing a weight that there's no way I can fucking do. Or it might put you at risk of injury. Now I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but it's funny that you went to the client thing. Cause I wonder what you guys think about this. I get anxious about training with clients because I'm on the fence with that. I, I, and especially in my situation where I have the things that, that I need to do. So I don't like to bend very much. So then I would feel guilty having my, a client that's paying me bend to what I need to do. So I'm, I, I'm like, I haven't done it very much. Where are you guys on that? I know you train you, with them, Scott. Let me ask you just for clarity. Are, are they paying you to train? Or are they paying you for nutrition and, and, and you know, everything if else? I'm talking in this specific situation or this example, I'm talking about if they're paying me to train, if they're paying for the time that we would be training, that's when I'm like, now, if a client just comes into town and I'm working with them online and we want to get a workout, that's completely different. Okay. But if they're paying me, that's where I'm, because I've got a client now that I, I would love to train with, but I've held off and I've, I've not done it yet. Because I almost almost out of guilt because I'm thinking, oh, as an example, he's a big squatter mm-hmm. and I won't free squat. Um, yeah. And especially right now, because I have knee, you know, knee tendonitis and LCL issues. But that's not even when I wa- didn't have those issues. I was kind of pulled back. Where are you guys at with that? Well, I don't it's hard to say I don't train anybody, you know, so I, I guess I don't have that because it, like you said, it's different. If someone's coming and they're like, hey, I want to get a workout in cool, man. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, because it, just like you, it's like, um, I know what's going to work for me. It's, I've been doing this a while. I know what injuries I have and what I can't do. So right. like lately, heck every, every time we've been going to the gym, um, my, my right knee super messed up. So it's almost like I do the beginning of the, my workout with my training partners in the middle. I have to go do something else. And then I meet them back at the end. Yeah. You I've know, done because, that. Yep. You know, it just because I'm not going to, I've done it so many times where I've just manned up and continued to hurt myself and yeah. it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So right. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll look like a pussy. Fine. I'll go, I'll do my little thing and then I'll come back and we'll, we'll do something else because I'm not going right. to aggravate my knee more to look super cool. So right. if, if, yeah, if, if someone was coming, I'd just have to be like, man, well not legs, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I guess, yeah, if, if someone's, that's the problem. If someone's paying me to train them, yeah, I don't think I could. I, w- I would have probably too many limits. It's like, okay, well, I, I don't get a lot of that out of that movement, so we're just not doing it. 
It's like, well, right. you need yeah. that movement. Well, I guess I could stand here while you do it. But. I think there's something. <laughs> I, I would right. say you know? if you were to do it every time, then maybe maybe it would be shortchanging them. But I think that, like, you know, and I'll go back to when I, what I said. And I guess what, what I meant to, Skip, by the way, wasn't necessarily just like strength, like more poundage. But that like the tenacity to get more reps, to show sure. somebody intensity, you know, the, mm -hmm. that we've just gotten, you know, three sets of 10 reps on this leg press. Now we're going to put two more plates on and get 20. Let me show you how to do that. You know, I right. do think that even if you aren't using the same exercises, like say like you, you're not good with squats. You have a, a hip issue, a knee issue. You can't train with the guy that you're trying to educate. You can still show him a mindset on other equipment. Like yeah. I can take what I learn from training. When I trained back with Shelby Starnes every week, I could take a lot of what I've learned there doing his stuff and apply that to my leg training. You know what I mean? Sure. There, there's something like I could, I would love to train with like Tom Platts on something, you know, and then, and then be able to apply that that knowledge to everything, you know, we train legs, but then I'm thinking about what I do with my triceps, you know? So I think that, that it could be really beneficial because there's, there's, there's man, I'd say that training really is like the, it's, it's an art. And at first, I think you follow a real templated form when you first get into weightlifting and you do three sets on the flat and then you do three sets on the incline, then you do three sets of dips and then you do three sets of flies and then you're done, you know, uh, something like that. But as you go, it really does. And that bring Tom Platts up again. Uh, I got to ask him and talk to him about this when I met him two years ago at the Olympia. Uh, his, one of my favorite lines, he said, we are artists and we express ourselves through our sets and our reps. And that blew me away. I heard him say that on one of his old videos. And I think that as you develop, you learn, you learn how to craft a workout. And I think that that's something that having somebody there who's less experienced than you witness the way you craft a workout that turns on a lot of light bulbs that you can't type that out and email that to them. You can't even instruct them standing next to them in the gym. You just have to show them. I think you, that's a, I think you articulated that very well. And I think from the people outside who looking in, who don't have, but maybe a couple years of training experience or a few years of training experience there, they don't know what they don't know it's more complicated than it, than what it looks or it should be maybe not complicated, but it's more intricate than what it looks like from the outside looking in. I call it the green room when things flow the way they're supposed to. And, and it's funny because I hear sometimes people say bad workouts. I can't remember the last time I had a bad workout hmm. because the more experience and the more years you have training, you almost know before you go in how Things need, it's like you see, you feel like this exercise is going to feel good today. I can't remember the last time I was wrong about that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but you're just so in tune with how you're going to feel before you go in that if I think I'm going to have a, a, a less than great workout, I'm just not going to train that day. I'll wait one day at the risk of going, I have to train today. And knowing the difference between being lazy and having too much shit on your plate for that day 
versus whether you need to train. There's just a lot there that I think that I agree with you. And the fact that, you know, he stated it that way about the art and about how things fit together. I do think it looks more random from the outside looking in, I think, than it actually is. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that. Awkward silence. It's funny because you you said it's like I don't remember the last time I had a bad workout, and it's funny because saying that I think the 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 times that I have had a bad workout were when I bent for someone else, and they're like, "Sure, oh, yeah. we're gonna we're doing dumbbell rows today." I'm like, "God!" Yeah, and you immediately know, oh fuck, and really? Like, I would not have like, gone. This that is route. not gonna like, <laughs> like. I do not feel like this is the, this is the worst decision I can make, and then. I go and do it. And I'm like, yep, it was. I mean, yeah, I didn't get what exactly. I needed out of that. You don't like that. You know, the only rows? time I try something is during a cruise because I feel yeah. like that's the time where I can play where I'm not in there to, I don't want to say to accomplish much, but kind of. So you're in there to get more of a pump. And that is a better time to play around with different movements. When someone says to me, oh, just check this out, try this out, see how you like it. I'm inside. I'm just like giant eye roll. Like, like yeah. I haven't thought of trying that before, right. yeah. but then you appease them and you kind of patronize them. You're like, Oh yeah. Oh, that felt really good. I'll never do that again. In my life. <laughs> I, I want to get back to those dumbbell rows. Do you not like dumbbell rows, Nelson? It's not, I think they're a great exercise, but for me, it's like, I, I don't get much out of them. That's what I and meant. I feel yeah. like d- different level of activation in each lat. Um, and then it, it ends up being more of a, upper which i mean sure it's like you you pick what you need but i need more lat thickness and so when i'm thinking about most of my movements i'm thinking about lat thickness yeah um because i could turn most of anything into upper back you know but i need lats so if i'm over there with the dumbbell like it just ends up not being where i want it so it's i find it very frustrating it's funny because you know for the longest time it was like do bent over rows for lats bro it's like no freaking bent over rows suck for lats they've never worked for me not once every time someone tells me to do a bent over row it's like i'm like i end up doing it and i'm like this was garbage i just wasted my time it's like sure i feel all of it all up here and it's that's awesome and then my lower back you know shot for anything we're gonna do later but um it's like i don't feel it in my lats it's like, no you just have to do this with your hands like no that's not what i have to do because right. i tried this a million ways it's funny I, that you say that because there are people listening right now who are going, oh, maybe if he just pulled. Oh, yeah. man, maybe I'll just tell him. But, and it's like, be fair yeah. be, if you're listening and go, Nelson might have already tried yeah. 42 different grips and pulls and angles and stuff. Yeah. There are just some movements that you tried a million times over. And again, it comes back to experience. If you've been doing it long enough, you do know those things that don't work. Now, I will add this one caveat because I think it's important. There are things that I have shelved years ago as far as exercises sure, that I was sure. smart enough to come back around to and try again and go, oh, my God, now they feel good. So they may not now, but they may at some point later. Uh, but there are just things that for everybody that some things work and some things feel great and some things it's just a battle. And you almost know when you're doing it. It, it, it just doesn't feel right. And, and this comes back. Uh, one more thing. And that is people will say. Things like, well, and because I've heard it and it's very cliche, but sometimes there's truth to it. Sometimes there isn't. The things that you're weakest on, you probably need to work on the most. That can be true, but it can also be that you're weak on it because it's just not good mechanically for your body type and your structure. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's funny. It's like 
obviously I want to do bent over rows. Yeah. You don't think I think that Evans and Tapani look so cool doing bent over rows? <laughs> yeah, or Dusty. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I would love to look that cool doing it. But, you know, it's like, sure, my arms got bigger and my back stayed small. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so what do you do then? What works good for you for your back? I, I, oh, well, I do that wrong. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 one of the the best things I've done uh, is one thing that Dante had kind of popularized, which is those hammer strength one arm rows off of a low row machine. Freaking works amazing. I feel that in my lat. It cramps every time. I can load it nicely. Um, so, and then <sighs> Phil Viz kind of popularized using figure eight straps. For a oh, lot yeah. of these hammer strength machines and using it as a hook so you're not gripping it you're using your like elbow as like an anchor yeah um that helped my back more than anything and honestly phil phil with with biomechanics especially for back movements i i don't know anyone who who's helped me more or or i've even gotten more ideas off of you just a, a plethora of ideas from him he's like awesome um huh. he showed me um like unilateral cable rows which sound it's such a like a chick movement it's like oh really you feel real hardcore with that it's like just do a dumbbell row it's not the same it doesn't feel the same the unilateral cable row i can really feel in my lap all those have helped me immensely and then of course like you know i do rack pulls or i can do like um, had Dante used to have up in the boards a long time ago, those hammer strength deads. Um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I feel like that, that it loads it in a way. I don't really feel like I get tons of back recruitment out of it or, or whatever, or lat recruitment at least, but all of it helps. And then any kind of <clears throat> high pull mo movement or anything, I, I can get it where I need it. But it's like, usually it was like, it was the lats that I had the hardest time connecting with. And mm -hmm. so forever it went from my hips to my armpits just straight up and then i had all these muscles at the top and it was just like it was just straight up and down you know yeah I, it wasn't a good look <laughs> but um over the years i've been able to uh, thicken it up a bit hell yeah all right well we have another topic uh we were also tonight going to discuss ab training as i mentioned at the start we're going to discuss basically i mean we get i get so many questions about how to develop good abs so I figure what better than to talk about it here. Uh, before we do, though, Skip, I wanted to ask you, I know you have that project coming up that you're planning to do. Can you fill us in on that a little bit? I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, which for me should be about 23 minutes. No, just kidding, Scott. <laughs> no. I'm going to refer to you as Jessup for the rest of the podcast. But, I, what, um, you, who's this guy? I'm going to look him up while you're saying that. Jessup Wilkaz. Yeah, okay. look up for like 80, 80s bodybuilders while I'm talking and you'll find it. Here's what I need from the listeners. And I'm going to post this on social media too. I need four, three or four, uh, basically trial clients for something that I'm starting out. It's kind of like a program. It's, it's like a trial, I guess, to see if there's the interest for this or not. Basically what it is, is anybody who has had an injury and they don't like or they're not convinced that the diagnosis they're getting from their doctor is accurate. And I know that's tough because on the one hand, we should be listening to doctors. And then on the other hand, we fucking think we know everything. And 
we, you know, secretly have our Sally Struthers PhD on the wall for everything that we know about with nutrition and training. But based on my problem that I had with my hip, this is how it got started, where I got a poor diagnosis from an orthopedic specialist. And, you know, there was some there were problems about whether it was an infection, whether it ended up being a, a torn gluteal uh, medius. And it was because I got a second diagnosis. And I got that second diagnosis. I actually got three of them. But I got the second uh, diagnosis from a client's father who was a um, very good doctor in um, Qatar. And what we started noticing or what I noticed in, in speaking with him and stuff is that they're in, in our industry, there's a lot of people who will get these diagnoses that really aren't that good because the people that they're going to, even though they're specialists, may not specialize in sports related injuries versus the average sedentary person. So if you have an injury and you've been diagnosed or even need to be diagnosed, and let's say you don't have health insurance and that sort of thing, we are basically taking three or four people and we're going to do this trial where you consult with uh, this doctor and consult with me. Basically the, the doctor will help to diagnose. He can read MRIs, uh, extensive uh, experience reading MRIs and stuff, which saved me because my MRI was read horribly bad. Mm. Uh, but MRIs, uh, ultrasounds even, um, uh, what is it? The what, come on, what's the other one? The X, uh, it's the x rays, things like that. And just basically, as a second opinion, or it can be the main opinion if, like I say, you're limited with the resources that you have. For the three or four trial clients, it'll be free. Okay. So okay. if we get a bunch of responses, then obviously I have to sift through, you know, the ones that we get and we'll pick out three or four. Um, if I get two, you know, we may go with the two and see how it goes. But if you're interested, if you have an injury that you're not sure of, um, you need to have it diagnosed or you want a second opinion, contact me uh, either, you know, whether it be email um, through Think Big Media on Facebook. Yeah. Or, if you guys reach um, out to IG me. anything. Yeah, if you you guys, yeah. If you guys reach out to me, I'll pass it on to you. And yep. there's also teamskip.com. You can give, you can get it, be gotten a hold of there. And like you said, what are, what are you intense muscle? Is there any hyphens yep, or underscores well. or anything like that in that? Nope. Okay. Okay, cool. Can I sign up? Cause I'm pretty fucked up, man. I got all you sorts actually of stuff. can sign up. He's still helping me because I started with the hip problem, but then it turned into and helped to create in some way the yeah. uh, patellofemoral tendonitis almost tendinosis yeah basically because it's so bad and the minor sprain in my lcl uh on the other side which makes sense if you think about it well, it looks like but jeff's anyway. already in i i grabbed a bunch of pictures here of jessup wilcox now i thought for sure he was this was going to be like a joke but this dude looked freaking nuts man he looked really good yeah he did yeah yep. check this guy out boom it's got quite a package there too. I'm going to say that right yeah. now. <laughs> Boom. Let's see. <laughs> Forget the pack and chest and, and abs. Look at that package. It's he those shorts. Resembles Scott. It's, it's those, <laughs> I should get those shorts is what I yeah. should do. Everybody Go thought I was making that comparison because of the beard. <laughs> nope. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, the beard. Ass. It was the package. Those are 19. Look at those 1979 shorts. He is a badass, man. Look at this. Yeah. Who's that? Who are those guys? Look, I don't know who that guy is behind him, but I know that's that's a long-haired Arnold. 
Yep. I don't know who the guy is back there. Yeah, that's a young Arnold boy. The guy behind him looks like Lee Harvey Oswald or something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, one, too. Look at that. Franco and Arnold, yep. and he's doing a... Look at how thick that bar is. What's going on yeah, with that? It, I don't know. That's awesome, though. When I come across thick bars like that, I freaking love them, whether it's on a Smith or, or benching with them or anything else. Yeah, he looked pretty ridiculous, man. Yeah, there's a backstory there. Without going too long, he had a horrible um, accident where I think I believe he fell off of a scaffolding um, at least a couple like a story oh, or two, a couple shit. stories yeah. and was completely fucked up and came back from it. No um, kidding. But he was on the cover of the first muscle and fitness that my mom bought me at a grocery store one day. And and honestly, I mean, I as cheesy as it sounds. As soon as I saw that magazine in the seventh grade, that's it was the end of my seventh grade year. That's what I knew that I wanted to do. Um, well, I was actually um, the end of my eighth grade year. I fucked up. Not that that matters with the story. But the point is, I that's that muscle magazine that you read cover to cover. It falls apart. You read it again. Yeah. You can't wait for the next one to come out. That sort of thing. But he was standing in a wheat field because, yeah. you know, bodybuilders need to do things like that. They need to pose in the middle of like wheat fields or 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 a city street. Where yeah. there's steam coming right. out of a manhole cover, you know, things like that. So, man, I'm really impressed by this shot. Like, look at the density. Yeah, the guy really was good and very underrated. Uh, now, you know, I say underrated maybe because I was just getting into it at that time and he was just finishing up his competitive uh, career yeah. that I didn't hear a lot about him. Um, but at least as far as I'm concerned, he was very underrated. He had a great, and to come back from, from a, you know, such a horrible, horrible accident, debilitating accident like that. It's a hell of a good story. Yeah. So we're going to talk abs. Uh, you know, you people like obviously I think the vast majority of us that are that are involved with this program, people, whether it be us on the show or the people watching it, people who are in the Think Big group, people who are watching Think Big Bodybuilding Media on YouTube. By the way, shout out to you guys. We're about to take questions, but we could use questions for the next show. So if you have any questions, post them up in the comments and we will tackle them. We do this program every other week. So uh, load us up. We'll tackle your questions on the next one. Um, we know about abs to an extent, but I hear, I hear still a lot of different stuff on how to get abs. Uh, I think that we'll probably all three have a slightly different story as to what worked for us. So I think that's probably our, our best bet. Some people have never had to train abs in their lives and they look good. Other people have had to put some work into them. So we started with Nelson first last time. Let's start with you, Skip. What's your story well, on abs? What did you have to do? For the first few years that I competed, I had great abs. I had one of those tiny little men's physique midsections. I look back and I go, what happened? Why did I force feed myself in the 90s? Oh. Why did I do that? Uh, and part of it is age, obviously, too. You're not going to see a bodybuilder who has really been pushing for size uh, for years and years, get into their, you know, forties and, and closer to their fifties and not, have, you know, Dave Plumbo is a good example. Uh, he pushed and pushed and pushed and he got, you know, big, thick midsection, but it's, it's very common for the bodybuilders who've been around a long time. I had a really good midsection at that point and I didn't train, I didn't train them at all. And that kept me from training because I thought, what the hell do I need to train them for? So my mentality at that time was, 
unless you had a weak abdominal wall and not many people do. Sometimes they're not lean and they can't see them, but that's a, a leanness body fat issue. It's not necessarily a training issue. Um, but then I started having lower back problems. So then I, you know, paid more attention to my ab training, but over the years they did start to get thicker right along with everything else. I don't know that that's directly from ab training, um, or not, but I do train them now. I train them limited. Now, uh, when I say limited, I hit them a couple times a week, couple mm -hmm. exercises, that sort of thing. But I don't have the ab strength that I used to. As an example, there's no way right now I could do a Roman chair sit up because you have to understand when I started training, the type of ab training then is completely different than it is now. You were doing Roman chair sit ups, uh, you know, with plates like Frank Zane used to do things like that. Decline sit ups, uh, just a lot. You, you didn't have the machines, the abdominal machines that we do now. Yeah. And I don't think we really understood ab training the ab training these days is more isolative and it should be, I think um, not completely, but it should be the majority of it. I feel should be more isolative instead of things like involving the, um, you know, two of the four quads across over at the hip, things like that. Uh, leg lifts, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, plank crunches, uh, you know, they go in that route. So, I train them now a couple times a week. I, I think the main thing that you have to watch out for with training them is you don't want to train them, I don't think, terribly heavy. You don't want them growing like your chest or your legs. You do need to keep them strong to support your bigger movements, your compound movements, like your bent over rows, your deads and, and squats. But I think another thing that I need to make sure to make the point of that a lot of people don't understand is your abs get hit very, very uh, intensely during these compound movements like squats and bent over rows and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of people don't understand that they, they kind of think, Oh, that's just lower back. That's not abdominal development. Uh, but I'll hand it off to Nelson, see what Nelson thinks. Okay. So I don't know if my view is controversial or not, uh -oh. but hold on people. <laughs> <laughs> hold on to your seats. But I think people absolutely need to train abs. Okay. Um, and when I see someone on stage, I can almost always tell whether they train abs or not. Huh. Um, and it's it's not like a old development because I mean some people have like a decent development. Um, it's like a hardness thing. I feel like when you train any muscle, it just looks way harder than other things. And for example, like I, I've had several women's physique competitors who are like they don't, there's a, not a, there's a body part that they just don't train. It's like, it's naturally big. I don't train it. Like I had one who don't train quads. Her quads are very big and it's not like they're big and fat. Like they're just big quads. Yeah. And you know, we tried that for a little while. They just, they didn't look hard. Mm. And so I come like, okay, well let's treat it like how I think abs are because in my opinion, abs need to be trained because I like how they look harder. So let's see that with legs. And even just training lightly, contracting muscles hard and getting things going, you know, I'm like go super heavy or anything. Um, those legs look so much better on stage. They looked leaner on stage, even though they might not have been actually leaner. Um, they just had like crispness to them that they didn't before. So that's my opinion with abs. I, and obviously I've done the thing where it's been it's like, ah, if I'm lean enough, I'll be able to tell. It's laziness on my part. That's what it was. I'll admit that it was just laziness. So um, after having made sure <laughs> and 
putting effort towards it, I can for sure tell it it's in my physique. And my abs are, are they're thin. I don't have like these deep men's physique abs. They're they're thin. So like they didn't get bigger at all. They just look better. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, so, and I agree with you. Maybe, um, maybe people. It's not a strength thing because maybe a lot of people are. But also, I guess if you look at the landscape of tra- training today, a lot of people aren't doing a lot of these compound movements, and maybe that's why. Right. Hmm. That's you that know. Could so be. that's a good point. You know. So it's like a, a lot of this is is leg press and V squat, and um, they're not. You know, maybe they're not doing deadlifts or, you know, there's other, you know, things. Or, I mean, heck, a lot of us, I mean, myself included, my belt is so tight when I'm training because I'm trying to literally deactivate my obliques, hmm. you know, so I could hope that they atrophy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the point. You know, it's like you got to get a smaller waist if you don't grow any obliques. So, you know, that might hurt ab activation also. Um, but in my opinion, I don't know. I make my athletes train abs and when, when they don't, I ask them about it. I'm like, have you been training your abs? Cause they don't look like, Oh, well, you know, you work and I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. train your abs, dude. I feel like they don't take a long time to train either for me. Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Ten minutes. Like I, I normally say like pick two exercises whether that's floor crunches or and V ups or floor crunches and reverse crunches or something, and do four sets each, twelve to twenty reps, something like that, um, and just contract really hard. You yeah. Don't, I, yes. You don't need you don't need a ball or a plate or anything crazy. It's just like do it like in your kitchen. I mean, not well, maybe not your kitchen, but do it in your living room. Freaking do it, and like you could bump through an ab workout fast and be like effective. In 10, 12 minutes. I know but I haven't trained my abs in a while if I do like 20 reps and then I go, oh, fuck. And yeah. I, like, <laughs> I start to cramp. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because I did have uh, an athlete tell me, she's like, oh, I don't train abs because every time I do the cramp, I'm like, yeah, that's because you don't train abs. Because you yep, don't yep. train them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You got to exactly. work through that. And with time, they get yeah. better. And my, my abs were really weak my first contest. And that's because I didn't have a lot of muscle period like i yeah. you know i got back into lifting after having taken a long hiatus for my low back and i was like i came back and i was like you know what i'm gonna compete and i was like i should probably start training my legs hard again because yeah. my back was all screwed up forever yeah, so yeah. then i had to grow those but then and then i competed everything was still small and it was like a week out and my coach my first coach he was like sweating he was like i don't get it I had like veins running through my core, yet you really couldn't see much definition. It's because I think two things. I think that my my torso is longer, and so the abs don't have that real round shape. Like like you were saying, you're calling it like the men's physique. Ab. Like they don't have that like um, that like egg roll shape, the little blocks. Yeah, I wish. Even at my best, but I didn't have density. Period. So I have like yeah. a longer ab. Each muscle, the the belly of it is going to be mm. longer. Um, but you know, from there and they did eventually come in, I dropped water and they showed up finally, like Wednesday before the show, I get out of the tanning bed and it's like, I got abs for two days. That's, that's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until Sunday. And then they're gone again. Exactly. Yeah. You make a good, you make a good point, Nelson, with the training them and not taking them, taking very long to do an ab session. And I want to piggyback off of that. 
a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have my clients train abs first because I also think it's a hmm. very good proactive measure to make sure your midsection, including your lower back, is warm because even though you're not training lower back directly, you are stretching it while you're doing ab work. Huh. So it, it, even if you don't have lower back issues, but specifically if you do have lower back issues, it's even better to uh, start your leg sessions with abs so that you do get more blood in there so that your lower back is less cold when you go into your legs. I even say train abs and then calves and then go into your leg workout so that there's more blood there and your core temperature is going to be a little bit warmer so that you have less of a vulnerability when you train legs. And so there's really no good reason to not train abs unless you think that they are in some way adding to the thickness of your midsection. And I really think the only way that that can happen is if you're training them really heavy, like you would train a major body part. And I don't think they should be trained that way, which brings me to the next question or the next part of the topic that I think is equally as important is, do you change the ab training from off season to pre-contest? I know, right? (laughs) Dance with the one, I know, dance with the one that brought you is immediately what comes to my mind. I don't see any real reason logically to change the training of your abs because if you, the only way you would really change it, I think, and correct me if you guys think differently, but if you were training for size because you had a thin abdominal wall and you were training them for size in the offseason because you wanted those egg roll type of of ab blocks that would be different and you may want to change it up but are you really going to come into your prep going okay now my abs are where i want them so now i'll shift gears it still i think qualifies as dance with the one that brought you right i mean i think we probably agree on on that i would think yeah yeah and i even think when you want to develop the density you don't need to go like heavy you know i i I found for me and this is like my lazy man's ab exercise you know the chair where you sit in, it's a selectorized machine and you crunch down while your legs crunch up. So you you crunch together and I I just put like two like the thing goes up to like whatever 200 pounds, you know. I don't even know what the stack is, but I'd put like put it on three plates only and then crunch, get a good hard squeeze and then a slow negative down just like I would any other exercise. Repeat that for 20 reps. If I haven't trained abs for a while, cut it there. If I don't start cramping, then I've won for the day. Come back the next time, you know, do this like, I do it like five minutes, four times a week, like after every workout to get into it. And I guess this will be my challenge to any of our viewers or listeners if you guys aren't training abs. This is the simplest, easiest, laziest way to get into it. Um, Next time, come back and be like, okay, 20 was fine. I'll stick with that for the week. And then the next week, go to 30. And then the next week, go to 40. And if you can't get 40 all at once, because you probably can if you're doing a good hard contraction, do 10 and then stop for a minute. Take a drink of your water. Do another 15 or whatever until you get to 40. And I would I work up that way until I can get to like 80 to 100 reps total within a five minute period of time, as many sets as it takes. And then I just call it a day. That's all I need. And I get you know really good activation, upper and lower abs, and, and they've looked great doing that course we're not talking about like planks and the things that would actually help your low back and as a matter of fact your chiropractor friend what's his name dr jake dr jake we had him on the show that one time he told us about how all that stuff is can be really bad for your back too uh and and i stopped training abs like that was my excuse for a while 
I yeah. stopped training them. So I'm kind of conflicted at times. But all I know is if you do what I just talked about, you'll get those egg rolls. I don't know that he said that they were potentially bad for the back. I I remember him, and I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, I think he was he said two main things. One, that if you do the ab exercises incorrectly and they are more of the compound exercises as an example doing a the one that stuck sticks out to me is decline sit-ups if you're going all the way back down in this ridiculous range of motion that can put your lower back in a vulnerable position but i actually like that movement if i do them at the top and i only use the crunch portion i find it to be a really very effective exercise and that's what brings me to i was going to ask you guys what your favorite exercise was because scott i love that machine hoist i think makes one of the best but body master has a good one too that machine is fucking incredible i'd have to put that up there's probably my number one right along with maybe rope kneeling rope crunches but i like both of those what do you guys what's your go-to if you have to pick one ab exercise and say god comes down and he says you can because if god came down (laughs) this is what he would sound like you can only do one ab exercise the rest of your life what would you guys do what would you do now floor floor crunches probably Floor crunches. No, so that's just regular with no weight or anything. Just a regular floor crunch. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, I just yeah, want to make yeah, sure if that I, I was... if I only could do one thing, I know I could get a great contraction. Yeah. If your wife wants to have input, she can come in, have her sit. She next has something to, to say. She she answered the phone. I we uh, we put an offer <laughs> on the house today. You're kidding. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, Very yeah. cool. So I don't. It doesn't sound like we got it, but ah, uh, oh. it's cool. It's, you know, if it's over that much money, we don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Floor crunches. Yeah. You know what? Whether I like those or not, that's what I will be doing because I train from home. <laughs> I don't have room for a body master ab machine. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just not the space. I mean, there may be space for like a row machine, some sort of back machine, but there's not space for an ab machine in my right. house. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd go with the same thing as you, Skip. I, I don't. Yeah, I've done the rope crunches. That's a I could do that here too. It's not my favorite. I I like if I were that's what I call the lazy man's answer is that machine. You just yeah. sit there and you just hit it. Uh, we did have one question that came up here, and then we've got a couple questions uh, that uh, were posted up in the group um, on this topic. Yeah. Eric Bassett asked us about thoughts on practicing vacuums. <laughs> I, I actually like that he asked that because I wanted to talk about transverse abdominis because I think it's incredibly important when it comes to maintaining or helping to keep the midsection tight, especially as you get older. I think that you can have, and I may be wrong on this, Dr. Jake, if you're listening or if there's someone you know smarter than me, uh, especially a chiropractor, that sort of thing, please chime in. But from the way I understand, you can have a weak abdominal wall or you can have a strong abdominal wall, strong abs on the surface, but you can have a weak uh, transverse abdominus. And that transverse abdominus basically helps to maintain or keep your keep you from turtle shelling, I guess is about the best way to explain it. And it's funny because I was skeptical about that. I thought, come on now. But while I was laying in the tanner, because, you know, I lay in the tanner quite a bit. Yeah. You I thought I've got all this time. Yeah, I've got all this time on my hands, 10, 12 minutes. I could do vacuums here. I could start doing them while I'm lying down flat on my back, because that's the easiest way to do them. Then you would advance to, you know, standing up or, or 
sitting, that sort of thing, but started practicing them. And God damn it, if it didn't help to keep. Now, some people are just naturally stronger when it comes to their transverse abdominis and they're thicker. You can see the V going down into their crotch. So that's um, that can, you probably don't have to do too much TA work if you've got strong, a strong V going into your, is, is there a mute button there? <laughs> I can't yeah, hear it. It's, it's echoing I, on me. I'm if sorry. He, if he hits the mute button, though, we might not get him back. Don't hit the mute of. button. That's right. We tried that earlier. Don't do it. Don't do it. My bad. But the point is, is if that if that V is strong already, uh, one of our listeners has a very very strong. If he's listening, um, James, uh, my ex client from um, I say ex client. He's still an online client, but uh, where's he from? He's the train operator. Real real strong obvious transverse abdominis. Very very thick probably not going to have to train it. But the the older you get, when you start to have that turtle shell and you don't feel like you're controlling your midsection as well, get into those vacuums. So that's a great question. I think they're vitally important. I'm doing it right now. I've been doing it that's the whole right. time we've been talking. I've been like, yeah, I vacuum all the time. <laughs> and sometimes they'll cramp and you'll be like, oh, shit, man. Let that's go. the worst. Like, oh, yeah. Dude, I got an ab cramp one time and it was, I went to go see a comedian uh, and I had never gone to a comedian before and we were like the sixth row from the front and this, it was a real big show and he wasn't the kind of guy to like pick on people and stuff. But I, you know, I, I was a little bit bigger than everybody else at the time that was sitting around and the show just started and like, I'm going like this and I'm like, my leg is getting stretched up. I'm trying to like stand up, but in the seat at the same time, because the last thing I wanted to do was go like this. <laughs> like I had just finished training and like, you know, ate and showered and, and all of that. And then we like shot over there and then we sat down. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then I'm like, oh shit, ab cramp. I don't yeah, know. If you're in your car, when you get done training and you drop something on the floor of the passenger side, <laughs> you're done. Leave it. Just <laughs> leave it there. Yeah. Don't it's go over. after it. Let me see here. Like I said, we got a couple questions, so we'll knock those out and uh, we'll call it a day here. Oh, and also too, uh, training partners. I took a poll over at the uh, Think Big group. Here's what everybody said. So we had 61 votes, including myself on, I prefer uh, training with a good partner, uh, but would rather go alone than yep. with a mediocre bad one. Next was 21 votes for I have never had a training partner and don't want one. And 10 votes for I can't find a good training partner. Eight votes for never really had a training partner, but I'm open to eventually. And six votes for I love having a trainer training partner and have one every workout. So that was our group input for uh, training partners. Yep. All right. So here's one of our questions. You like that sound effect? I popped it up and I went. No, not really. Just it was super. <laughs> it was like YouTube yeah, stuff. It, it timing didn't work, and no. Hold on, let me try that again. Hold on, let's see. Hold on, this is our new YouTube move. Hey guys, we got some questions. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask your three approaches to off-season cardio. Given that it's beneficial for cardiovascular health, overall fitness level, etc., how do you structure it? Um, are there differences with contest prep cardio? Maybe intensity, beats per minute, length, and or frequency during the week. I'd also like to know 
how you would suggest placing it in an off day uh, before an upper body part or before an upper body part after legs with blood flow recovery maybe you want it nelson run with it i'll follow you all right um in my opinion i probably a decent amount of people don't need cardio per se in the off season however i think it's incredibly important for cardiovascular health especially if you are a male bodybuilder who is pushing drugs and pushing his weight up. So we probably need it for cardiovascular health, one. And number two, we need it for lung capacity. You can't train legs super well if you're a fat slob, you know? And even if you're just super full and bursting all the time, it's going to be better for blood pressure. It's going to be better for you just breathing. In my opinion, we need it. Um, To do less cardio, you could make your cardio sessions harder. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to do two hit sessions a week rather than let's say four 20 minute steady state sessions. Now I feel like both have validity. Um, and heck when a lot of people aren't hungry, spacing just some steady state cardio in the morning Boom. can pick up your hunger. You know, yep. it, it can help yep. a lot. Um, I know I just saw a coach post about this. Um, just thinking that, if you're using hit off season or hit at the beginning of a prep, whatever, it's not getting the most out of the lease. I would disagree with that just because if I can make you do something for 12, 15 minutes and you're done, that is the least. And it's so, it's so effective in my opinion. Um, It's better to have, have you do like, let's say you're doing 12 minutes of just, balls out like bike sprints the cardiovascular benefits you get from that are insane um whereas that is true let's be let's be honest like if you get on the treadmill for 20 minutes and you're just texting on your phone and chilling there's benefits but it's it's not even close it's not even close so yeah i, I, I would agree know, I, I think well, from a VO2, uh, like an up, oxygen right. uptake, VO2 max, yeah. Right. And, and especially when it comes to training and that sort of thing. Body fat, you know, and I, I'm i not a studies guy. And I know yeah, I shouldn't yeah. be completely anti-study, but I kind of am. And, and that's not a great way to look at it, I understand. But I think because I've been doing this so long, I prefer to try things and, and just kind of experience them for myself. In, in my experience, I haven't seen hit be so dominantly or obviously better than kind of a steady state but at this and what i have seen too is sometimes it gets in the way for for mere mortals uh, the the people who aren't right. genetically gifted it gets in the way of their leg session sometimes if it's not timed correctly or if it's too close to sure. a leg session or after leg session uh, and especially when they start to get uh, into a more of a deficit now that's not for everybody again everybody's individual and some people deal with it better than others i think it's hard though with hit cardio to go straight ac- and i'm not saying you're doing this nelson but to go straight across the board and say yeah hit, car- hit cardio works better for body fat i don't i don't know that it does have you guys seen that it's actually more effective for but or, or do you not see as much of a difference for it me, would be from a cardiovascular, and that's what he's asking. Sure. I mean, yeah. he's asking right. that's a question what, for cardiovascular. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying because in off season, I'm I'm kind of assuming um, most like the body fat's mostly kind of kept through uh, nutrition, and yeah. 
gr- growth hormone. Um, <laughs> that too. Um, I like though you did the the hand on the yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> very subtle. Just, yeah, just, yeah. just between us three. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I think uh, for body fat in in prep, I cycle them in and, in and out. So it mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to see. I just see progress the whole time, you know. So it, it's not one of those things where I'm like, oh man, it sped up and then it slowed down. Well, not it's like it's kind of. I feel like it's it's not good to do hit the whole time. It's probably not. I don't know. It, it, you can do steady state the whole time, but by switching them back and forth and, and pu- pulling one in and out, you're kind of always getting a new stimulus. You know. I can't um, disagree with that. I think that's a very good way to look at yeah. it. Yep. And so and yep. you can also decondition your body to cardio mm-hmm. by doing the list cardio. Yeah. You know? And so time, then you yeah. can go right back in and you could hammer it hard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think. You're probably, I mean, there is something to be said for the epoch that happens with hit cardio, but you also have to be doing hit cardio. This isn't intervals. Yeah, this is yeah. like you're right. you're expecting someone to really go ham. Um, and like you said, this is not this. Is, we're talking about we're talking about mortals too. Then we're talking about re- recovery issues. And so yeah. when you're in a deficit, you kind of have to measure that out. Now in off season, we should like you should have a, a pretty decent surplus. Um, and let's say you're only doing two times a week for, you know, lung capacity and it's not some sort of marathon session. It's, you know, let's say 12 minutes. Um, I would imagine most people would be able to recover from that. Assuming you're not like, I want to do two sessions. I want to do it in the morning of leg day. I'll do it right after leg day. It's like, dude, that's right. dumb. Why, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> or um, if you're already borderline overtraining your legs in the one right, session. Right, right. It's like, don't yeah, do it overreaching as well, you know? Yeah. yeah but I, I'm on the same page with you. Yeah, I think that it I've seen it where doing hit and, and I'm I'm kind of focusing on prep for just a minute. Doing hit cardio on a bike has helped somebody retain leg size. Yes. I've seen it where doing hit cardio on a bike has deteriorated leg size. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it, it, ways, I, yeah. yeah, it 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 could go either way for sure. And I I've had people that really respond to it well. And then I've had people that that feel like they just got the shit kicked out of them. Um, I, I, for the off-season stuff, I didn't used to get into hit cardio as much as I have in the past year. Or just like we'll say like a, a high-intensity interval or just like a, a high short bursts of intensity, which I guess would be high-intensity interval. But like things like when you're really pushing the weight up, working in like like sled work working in things where you really have to push until you can't and then take a couple minutes and i've had people like just do as many sled pushes as you can uh in the next in you know we'll call it 12 minutes and that's all they're and we'll do that two times a week like it's not something they're doing all the time but i feel like and i actually i started doing that thanks to dave crossland dave crossland was a guy who was able to push his body weight up it wasn't all lean, but he pushed his body weight up to 415 pounds. He was, he was massive, you know? And he said that that kind of thing was helpful. I remember years ago pushing my body weight up. I'd be huffing and puffing when I reached 230. Like that was the highest I'd get. And to me, that was, that was really a lot. And if you now get to 230, like I did this past year before I got sick, adding stuff in like that, I felt strong and it was like, it was a different 230, you know? And part of it was because I did have the cardio capabilities. I wasn't huffing, walking upstairs. And I'm for certain, man, that 
my heart was a lot healthier because I was walking like 3.5 miles an hour on a treadmill on an incline of like four and my heart rate, like I still couldn't get it up to a slow, steady rate. You know, it's like I knew, I know that my heart, my cardio strength was really, really good, even at a really, you know, high body weight too. So I think, I think, let me ask you guys this. If somebody isn't doing cardio right now in their off season, they're growing, they want to get the benefits, like Nelson said, increased hunger, increased health. Um, what would be a good way to start working it in if they're doing nothing right now? How would you prescribe it to start for a guy who's pushing, you know, at this point, calories are really high and he's got no cardio in it at all. Well, I mean, if it were going more for, for growth, it comes back to, you know, what you and I were talking about not too long ago about the bike, even mm. uh, that there, there can be, you know, hit cardio that, you know, that I might subs or prescribe, not subscribe prescribe uh, not only for a client but even for myself i didn't unfortunately get an opportunity yet to experiment with that because i've been dealing with lower body issues um but it just depends on the goal i mean if they are pushing in the off season or pushing for size and i think something like that would be a good idea a couple times you know once or twice a week the problem is if you're not doing any cardio at all i mean it depends on your cardio conditioning because if you just try to jump into high intensity high intensity cardio, you're, you're not going to be able to go very long before not only your lungs are going to be fried, um, yeah. but your legs too, if you're adding it to a leg session or you're doing it for, you know, your leg worker to help kind of maximize your leg development. So there's just, there's a lot of variables there, but you, you do have to break in, especially if it's going to be high intensity work. Um, so if you're going to break into high intensity work, I mean, once, maybe, maybe, I probably would keep it at once and then see how it impacts or if it impacts your leg training for a few weeks and then go to, go to two. And again, it comes down to timing. Like we were talking about how close it is to your leg session. You get it too close to the leg session. It could impact the leg session itself, the performance during the leg session. And then if it's too close afterwards, it could impact the recovery too. So, right. yeah. you know, I, I think if, if it were a client and they were asking me, I, it, you want me to put in one session of hit, uh, cardio for legs. Let's say it's bike, you know, on the bike, just so that we're more specific. If you train legs on Friday, do it on a Tuesday, you know, as an example, a Monday or Tuesday, that probably would allow you to, it would allow for the most recovery after and before, and you may get, I mean, it's almost like adding a little bit of a, another leg session in a sense, because that's going to be a stimulus that those legs are not going to be used to. Yeah. Could get growth out of it right along with, you for know, sure. The added VO2, you know, the op oxygen uptake. So, it, you know, there's there's certainly benefits there. There's no question. What do you think, Nelson? Uh, well, just speaking to that, I have seen a lot of people with weaker legs who I've put with that. And um, I'll add essential aminos and growth. And I think the extra musculature work from hard cycling makes a big difference in their quads. Yeah. 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 So I, I definitely agree with that. I, I do agree it could work. If it were me and I was trying to transition someone into cardio, I'd probably do two, three days a week of just 20 minute steady state. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, if you haven't been doing any cardio, Start your, there. your lung capacity probably isn't great. And even 20 minutes is probably going to kick your butt a little bit. I mean, I know I've been there. It's like you're like 240 and you get on the bike <laughs> for 20 minutes and you're like, and you're like, it, eight minutes you're like oh my god i have just 12 more minutes left you know it's awful so i you know i'll probably do that for you know at least two or three weeks and then you're going to get something out of it you know you have been doing it 
and if you're 240, you're. I mean, I'm five five, so I think that's big. It's not big, I guess. It's like if you're if you're a big guy, um, then you're you're probably not moving around a lot anyway. So that is is a lot for you. Um, so a- after you've been doing that for a little while, then in my opinion, that would be time to like, okay, now let's try one two hit sessions a week. And you know, if you're doing it, it didn't have to be a this or that. You might want to do two steady state sessions and one hit session. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of what lot, you're you know? getting at, right, Skip? Is you yeah. probably add in a little cardio, do a hit session, see how it goes, and adjust from there. We got one more question. I'm going to jump to that one. Um, not training related, but I've developed stomach cramping every time I eat eggs now. For the last year, I've been consistently drinking 12 ounces of egg whites um, drinking and drinking five whole eggs just about every day. Pretty clear it's an antiquated uh, acquired allergy. Um, it's happening with cooked eggs as well. Have you guys ever experienced this? And is there anything I can do to overcome it quickly? Or am I better off waiting it out and trying eggs again in a few months? Yeah, you can solve that problem really, really quickly. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are all thinking it. Come on now. <laughs> uh, you know, in a situation like that, I... I you know, to keep it simple, I mean, honestly, you could you could go the long route and try to figure it out and do the allergy testing and everything else, but you're getting obvious signs. Don't don't waste time on it. Just set it to the side and use a different protein source. Yeah, I mean, agreed. You know, yeah. How common is that? Also, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said also stop drinking eggs. Yeah, I agree with that as well. That's a good point. It's not yeah. good because that's a high it's, volume it's, of it's not good. Eggs. To- yeah, dude, it's like that's not good for your digestion. Um, it's like, and I feel like after like it was whatever it was two, three years ago, like we have plenty of evidence now that even pasteurized egg whites are not digesting. So right. just stop doing it. It's like you're you're messing up your digestion. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like if anything isn't sitting cooked. I mean, if it were chicken, I don't think you'd be like, well, I got to eat this chicken because it's magic. You know? Yeah. It's like yeah. you just got to stop. I mean, what even if it's like. I mean, even if you love eggs in the morning, I mean, you don't. If you're if you're drinking it, you don't love it. So right, just, just, just that's a it. good point. I mean, Very good point. It's, yeah, you know, it's 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 not like a a bad time to have like an isolate chick with some peanut butter. You yeah. know, it's change your theme music too. You don't want to be having breakfast to dun da da dun da da dun da da dun 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 da da dun da da dun da da dun dun da da dun da dun da dun. Okay, I'll quit. Boom, boom. No, yeah. I had to get that. And, boom, boom, and Andrew Barry backs us up. <laughs> yeah, he does. Andrew Barry. Da, 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 da. <laughs> okay. All right. Remove the eggs for sure. <laughs> Just like, you know what, too? I think, yeah, get rid of, don't do anything all the time. Like as bodybuilders, we are eating the same thing day in, yeah. day out. I, I When I we're done. When I list out, uh, uh, oh, and Andrew Barry says, what's up, fellas? What's up, Andrew Barry? We could have had, like, all four of us on. Then it would have been our real roundtable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Andrew's watching the show going, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. Like, what the fuck are you? Why? Why? (laughs) What does Nelson have that I don't have? (laughs) We're we're going to try to get Dave Kalik on the next one. And then after that, Andrew, if you're free, we would love to have you back. 
we got what a lot we'll of do is really we'll just get feedback. a giant panel. We need, we need like seven. Can't we do something with a bunch of people once? And then what? We can all listen to you talk. All of us. No, we have. have... <laughs> no, here, but here's the catch. We'd have to start it at five to work out all the technical kinks by seven. Right. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have them. Nelson's going to have it. We're going to have this mess trying to get it all figured out. But so here's my inside secret to writing a diet. If I want somebody to have a lean meat, I usually write the same thing. It'll be like 7.5 ounces of chicken breast, comma, 99.99% fat-free ground turkey, comma, turkey breast, comma, or light fish. And then I put cod, tilapia, tuna, etc. Literally, that's the way it's written for anybody who works with me who's watching this right now. And my thought is, especially like off season, you just go ahead and pick from one of those. And I always encourage people when I write out that first diet, I take my time and I put a whole thing in there about like, make sure you rotate your foods. And this is why and da da da. And then nine weeks later, they come back to me and they're like, I can't eat chicken anymore. <laughs> what? I love you guys, but I'm going to I'm telling on all of you right now. It's All just easy. We get into that routine of cooking the same foods and it becomes routine. It's very easy to do. I mean, I've said over and over, the, the average bodybuilder eats really between six and eight different foods 90% yep. of the time. Maybe less, five, you know? Could be. Yeah, very well could the, be. Yeah. The eight foods that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so, right. you know what, if you, if you aren't eating variety then your body stops producing the variety of enzymes it once was. And you're going to end up getting yourself limited and you're going to develop those freaking weird allergies. Like I I've had an egg allergy because I, I was drinking two cups of egg whites in the morning and then I pushed it because I, I was doing like eight meals at the time. And I was like, Oh, I could squeeze in two more cups for this like meal 7.5, you know? And, uh, eventually I got diarrhea from it and it didn't work. And guess what? Then I started having a hard time with, with drinking egg whites period. So I had to pull them out of my diet for a while. Just like this guy's going to have to, I think that if you can have like, it takes work, but if you can have moderation, you can keep eggs in your diet. Probably, you know, unless you're eggs can be a weird one. Like people can have allergies to eggs. That's not like yeah. super uncommon. Um, right. But you know, you're going to minimize that by not just killing yourself with it over and over. That was another thing. Another, another option that he could use too is to switch to orange roughy three to four times a day. That's a, <laughs> yeah. no, one's not, no one's going to jump on that. No one thinks that's good advice. I was that's waiting for a reaction there. Yeah. I did that once, honestly. I got to, I only got to two. Yeah. And uh, for anybody, yeah, it's all it took. Now we're laughing. There, there are people listening who don't know. So I will tell you this yeah. do not eat orange roughy more than twice a day big and why you're going why well i don't understand why and the easiest way to explain it is oil will come out of your ass and it will come out of your ass when you're walking into the gym you'll you you don't have to is that what happened to you were you walking into the gym when you figured no. this out no i've heard that this is not a good <laughs> idea did you turn around or were you hardcore and you just wrapped no. your jacket around your waist skip it, it just <laughs> It just comes out. It doesn't. It's not like, oh, I'll try to pass a little. Get. It just comes out. Whew. And you're like, well, I, I, it's like when you're water skiing and you get up out of the water and water runs out of your ass because you fell on your ass two minutes ago. You never, never had that. Ski. OK, well, anyway, it does happen like that. And you're like, I just shit my pants. Oh, that's just the water that was jammed up my ass when I fell last time. Anyway, it just comes out like it'll just it'll just come out. You don't want it. To, it just comes out. 
Damn. <laughs> there's your yeah. There's the your orange roughy uh, pro warning. tip. That's our pro tip for the day. And it tastes great. Orange roughy tastes problem. great. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yep. like, like I'm gonna oh, eat this can, four times a day. No, you're not. I can I can go for that again. And it's like in anything in a diet that you like like is like yeah, it's, it's hard to come by, you know. So it's yeah. like oh, yeah. you really enjoy it, and it gets pretty easy to eat it four times, and yeah. you will quickly stop eating it four times. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, and I think that happens with anything too. Like you get burnt out. I couldn't eat ground turkey for probably like three years. I couldn't eat. I couldn't even look at avocado for a good year and a half. I still, once in a while, kind of wince at it because it became my favorite fat on prep. I was halfway through, and I'm like, "Damn, why didn't I eat avocado from the start?" And I did it and did it and did it until I couldn't do it anymore. So yeah, yeah. I did that with canned tuna. When I was, I call it poor man's protein because I was young and that's all the protein. I, and I mean to tell you, I, I can eat a tuna steak. I can eat tuna sushi. But tuna from a can, if if it came down to bodybuilding and I had to eat tuna from a can or no bodybuilding, I would I would go to Cheetos and Mountain Dew. You'd be done. You'd be I, done. It's wow. horrible. It's it's horrible shit. And I can eat a lot of fucked up shit. Man. It just comes out. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, it just comes out. I have a, a kind of related thing to like variety and cooking. Do either of you guys have a um, air fryer? Yeah, I hate it. Used it once, threw it away. <laughs> Are you you kidding me? You, you don't. No, I, here's why. I prep food ahead of time. If I was going to cook it right then and there, yeah. it would taste yeah. great. But it's no bigger. You can cook like one fucking portion, and that's it. And what, it tastes great. But what about it. you, Nelson? Air fryer? Uh, I don't use it, but we have one. I got one. I just got one. I got the Ninja Max XL. You yeah, can cook so it's really expensive. And you, it's big. Well, you you got the big one. I didn't get the big one. That's your problem, man. You got to get the big one. Then you have so, two meals, but by the time you get to it, it's, I not, cook, it's like French fries. You can't have French fries two hours later. I could cook four burgers, four half pound burgers in it. That's oh, pretty big. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so, it's like, pretty big. In my opinion, it's really good if you're doing just carbs. Okay. Or a meal, like you're at home. Yeah. You you just got you ten minutes. Boom, easy. You throw sure. like I I told you about this the other day. It's like throw like some hash brown potatoes in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cook it up. I mean, all it is, I mean, anyone can use this. It's just frozen potatoes. It's like throw it in there. They're perfect. They're crunchy. They taste good. Mm-hmm. But for protein, I can't bring myself to do it. Especially like I don't cook my protein. So I, I just buy it. I'm, yeah. I'm bougie. Hey, I just I'm I, order, I order I order it online and they ship me cooked food and I'm done. So I mm-hmm. I don't I'm it's funny after all these years of like prepping my food. I decided, oh, I have money. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm not going to yeah, do that. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. get my chicken cooked from Whole Foods. I'm like, I'm not cooking that food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and, are you kidding me? They do a great job. If you yeah, and they'll deliver and that use, shit like, to you, too. Yeah, they'll bring it to your goddamn door. You guys are making me feel yeah. poor. I just spent $150 yeah. on an air fryer, <laughs> and you guys are making me feel like shit now. Thanks. Yeah, You could take those um, same potatoes, cut them real thin, put them on the outside of a plate, and put them in the microwave, and it'll cook it faster than the, the fryer anyway, and they're crunchy as shit. They're really? like little potato chips. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, here's the man. problem. That's here's different. the catch, though. Let me make sure. Oh, no, they're fucking good. They're crunchy. The problem with the microwave is, is if you go even like 45 seconds too long, then they get burnt. But there's that happy medium where they're like fucking chips and they're good, man. I'm going to try the hash browns tomorrow, but I'm also going to double up awesome. and take. I like doing in the morning. I for, And this is actually part of my protein is I'll use bacon, like four four to six slices of uh, tur- turkey bacon. So it's lower in All fat. Right. 
I'm gonna yeah. chop like rip it all up and throw it in there and mix it in with the potatoes. It'll be like a two in one. Tanya asks us, um, I've never had someone definitively give me an answer as to whether it's any different than putting food in the oven on broil for a few minutes. I think if it's carbs, like like Nelson is saying, I do think that they'll cook faster and they'll, because the oven takes a long time. You got to preheat and then you got to actually yeah. cook them. I do think yeah. it's good for carbs. Me, I'm with you, Nelson. I don't notice much of a yeah. Dude, a my difference. burgers are like freaking the best I go burgers somewhere I had in my world, get, man. I go well, and get a burger somewhere, a good burger, I'm yeah. paying for it. See, you're going back, you're making yourself sound poor again. God damn, Scott, get <laughs> and, with the times. And, and for me, I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm the op- opposite with Skip on burgers. Like, Skip is like the burger guy. Yeah. And I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy with most burgers. And to give you, um, I guess, my, like, how happy I am with most burgers, you know what skinny beef is? Yeah. Uh, I don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, okay. So skinny beef is, it's 90, 98 to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen, yeah. I know what, you're, you I know what it order is. Order it online. Um, yep. I love that stuff. And I will make myself burgers with skinny beef. So happy. So happy, delicious. My, one of my favorite things in the world. And I know, like, Skip's like, like probably freaking out a little bit. It's like that tastes like garbage. Don't, you know? Yeah, I, I'm like, I got to take you out for a burger, bro. It's, 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 it's <laughs> Ninety-eight two, and I, and still every single time, I'm like, this is delicious. Why haven't yeah. I been eating this all the time? Yeah, I gotta try it. I gotta try it. It's yeah. honestly, I think it's very good. It's like if you overcook it, yeah, it's gonna be dry because it's ninety-eight two. There's no freaking fat in there. Even when you're looking at it, you're looking like where where's the where's the fat? <laughs> because like not a lot of these comes out of the burger. Um, Beef yeah, has to be like, a blend. It has to be short yeah, yeah, it's, it's, with not, the, it's uh, not a blend. It's certainly not eighty people. twenty. Yeah. Now, but hold on, I will say this. Um, probably my favorite go to. It's funny because it's not even a good restaurant. I like Five Guys burgers. In my opinion. I can't knock a five guys burger. No, okay, no, okay, no, no. that's that's uh, that's my favorite place. I feel like yeah. they're so consistent every time I go. Yep, I agree. Yeah, hey, I don't if, like their fries. <laughs> before we um, left today, I did want to ask uh, Skip, where are you training now? Where? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, well, that's an obscure question. I just you know, like randomly a, pulled it out. Hey, Skip, yeah, where are you that training? was like it's tangent. Like we just we're naturally we here for a minute. Yeah, just naturally. So I'm 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 actually going to start training at Redcon One. Really? I, yeah. There's a there's a backstory there because anybody who you know listened to PED Radio, that was Matt Meinrod and Aaron Singerman. Well, Aaron, well, Aaron wasn't. Obviously, Aaron wasn't. No, but he was. No, but he was. He was connected to it, right? Or am I not? Am I? Do I have that wrong? Completely wrong? No, it was. It was. It was Matt. Okay. My, yeah. Gosh, I always thought that Aaron was like uh, kind of ghosted in the back that he, but okay, fair enough. As far as so I anyway, mean, Matt, maybe you're right. Matt is with, you know, Redcon and, you know, when, when S2H and I pulled and I'm just being, you know, completely transparent. Um, when, when S2H and I pulled that move by thinking we were going to take the podcast and we, to go somewhere else because we wanted more exposure and we wanted Taylor to go with us and he didn't want to go. He was, you know, he's loyal to Matt and he wanted to stay with Matt and we were looking out for our best interests, to be honest with you. And so it, it caused some bad blood between Matt and myself and that this is years ago. So we move up to West Palm and I want to train at Redcon because it's a really well-equipped place and a lot of badass dudes train there. So 
I, but I didn't want to go over there because I thought, you know, Matt and Aaron and, you know, Aaron was kind of pissed at me. So I'm like, I don't know. Dude, you so I contacted you, Matt. You, you, you said like you and Matt got into it on the boards, didn't you? Like you, you guys were <laughs> yeah, going man. in. Yeah, you guys, you're just like throwing I, I did, it out there. Yeah, I, I want to make sure, you, you know. We did. We're it gonna... was, I'll tell you what we did. We took it to a level of immaturity, both okay. of us equally. If I'm if I'm being – I feel that it was equal. I hope he does too. But it, it was almost <laughs> funny afterwards looking back on it because, you know, we both said some things that were so high school. It was funny, funny in retrospect. Yeah. So anyway, it had been a few years, so I'm like, I don't want to go there because – I don't know if Matt will, you know, or Aaron will come over and punch me in the face repeatedly while I'm bench pressing or something yeah. and then make a scene and tell me, get the fuck out of here. You mother, you know, I don't know. I, you know how your brain works. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do. So anyway, I contacted Matt and I'm like, look, man, I, I want to train. I don't know if there's any bad blood, that sort of thing. Did you? And he laughed about it. He said, I appreciate you contacting me. And he goes, of course, there's no bad blood. You know, we set our piece and we were, you know immature about it and it is what it is we're we're grown men so i appreciated that i actually thought that was cool and, and i didn't expect him to be any different uh but at the same time i didn't want to just show up there and have him or aaron think oh you got a lot of balls coming in here you yeah. know thinking you can come in here without checking with us that sort of thing so i did go in there to check it out first person i saw at the counter no shit was kai You're and kidding. i look at him and i go god i hope he doesn't recognize me or that he knows that I, you know, have always sided with Phil beating him. And then I thought, you know what, I'm sure he's beyond that. I'm sure he's beyond that. That's And then, and then I laugh because I'm like, I'm giving myself way too much credit. He probably has no fucking clue who I am and doesn't give a yeah. shit anyway. Matt didn't, didn't even know who team. you were still even like, you know, Matt, Matt Meinrad didn't even know who you were. He's like, skip. That's not fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's probably true. Though, yeah. He's like, Matt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Skip. Yeah, skip. And he's like, skip, dude. Don't give yourself that much credit. <laughs> no, of course no. you can come. Did we have a fallout? I don't even remember that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's you funny. called me this and that, and I called you. But did, did it you was funny to... Do that happens with, if that happened with Matt, and then there's like he's like you know plays it off like nothing happened. He walks in, and then Kai sees him. And he's like, "Well, well, well." Look <laughs> you see Kai, Matt, and Aaron coming at me in the gym. I'm using the back yeah. door. Yeah, <laughs> Get yeah. the fuck out of there. I don't care uh, how big Kai is. I would be afraid to have to run from him. I feel like he would still be very agile. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I don't doubt. But I think he's so laid back anyway that yeah. I don't even know. Is he really known for? I don't want to say fuck it. I, you know, I didn't do anything disrespectful uh, or shitty or anything. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. Is he? Is he? I didn't know that. He's a little aggressive. Yeah. Is he? <laughs> now, look, listen. I'll say this because if this gets anywhere, and oh, as soon as the Kai, I was on Kai's side the whole time, and that's not a joke. Skip was on Phil's side, and I was on Kai's side, yeah. and I'm the one saying, yeah, he's a little aggressive. So that's funny. Well, let me add though this, and and I think Scott can back me up on this. I did always say that if God came down and said, because this is God's voice, yeah. Skip, if you have to pick to the physique to look like, do you want to look like Phil every day or do you want to look like Kai? I would rather look like Kai. Would you? I just always yes, I would. I like I actually personally like Kai's physique better. Yeah. And I've said that. But not from a judging standpoint. I did always support Phil. Even when I didn't like him with the things he did personally, I could remove that from uh, and be more objective about the his physique. And I really did think that he was deserving of the placings yeah. that he got in yeah. relation to Kai. But again, it, it's, I'm not a, I'm not a judge. I'm not judging them. So it doesn't really, I just felt like it was always fair. 
Um, and it, you know, if Kai would have beat him, I don't know that I would have been disgusted by it. I've never, I've never been like that. When people win the Olympia, I respect the fact that, you know, yeah. whoever wins it, the judging panel judged it the way they judged it. So it's just funny that it comes around to this and I end up and I will be training there when my, uh, when my knee is better and I'm able to train legs. I'm looking forward to it because it's a very well equipped gym. I'm sure. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. I want to put you on the spot real quick. So I don't disagree with what you said, except for who, who do you think won the Sheru classic in 2016? Who won that? Oh shit. I don't even know. I don't either. Oh, that was yeah. it was like a week. It was a week after the Olympia, and in my opinion, I mean, it's like Phil looked better at the Olympia, and Kai came in, and I'm like, there is no way he does not win this. I don't and remember this. They, they called Shrew Classic. Everybody um, who's watching, look it up. Hmm. Shrew Classic. Kai looked nasty, and in my opinion, he took a W that day, but he did not get one. Damn. Uh, I did I like know. this. I did like that they were so neck and neck, and it made for a good. Yeah. Yeah, battle and build up to it, and because I've always seen the Olympia is relative, just me, relatively anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's very predictable, and, and when it's predictable, it makes it boring for me. That's why I like the last couple of years so much yeah. more. And I've actually started watching it again because I didn't yeah, yeah. even when Phil was winning, I did not watch it. I felt like it was predetermined. I figured he's probably going to win it, and then I would hear that it was close, and I would look, and I'd be like, okay. So I was never there yeah. when I said that I thought, okay, he's. You know, he's better. He's yeah. the deserving champion. He he won it, and it is what it is. So had I been there, maybe I would have seen it differently. I don't know. But I'd rather walk around looking like Kai uh, for whatever. I just think that he's got better roundness and better better pop to everything. He just looks more cartoonish than Phil. Yeah. But I've seen Phil. I mean, I've watched Phil train. And, I mean, there are times when I will see him out of the corner of my eye and go, who is that motherfucker over there? And then go, oh, shit, it's Phil. It's so It's so crazy to see someone like that of that caliber, even when you see them all the time, when you see them train, standing next to them, it's not that big. When you see them train, yeah. it, God, especially right before a show, it's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here, guys, for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill and our special guest coast. Did I say guest coast? <laughs> guest <laughs> host, Nelson nice Jones. I'm Scott McNally. I probably should have said this at the beginning, the YouTube thing of like, hey, guys, if you enjoy this show, like, subscribe, comment, ring the bell and stay tuned for more. That sound good? Sounds good. All right. We're out of here. (laughs) 